This is the Vision Driven Mom podcast, and I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, for moms by moms who believe that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories from moms that have journeyed through motherhood from fear, loss, and heartbreak to healing, empowerment, and success. Motherhood is truly the journey of a lifetime, so let's enjoy the ride together. Welcome to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman. And today we have Cameron, Dr. Cam Caswell. And Dr. Cam is a PhD. She's a developmental psychologist, a family coach, a teen expert, certified professional success coach, author, and host of the podcast, Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. She is on a mission to help parents build strong, positive relationships with their teens through improved communication, connection, and understanding. Dr. Cam is the mom of a teen too, so she not only talks the talk, she walks the walk. Welcome, Dr. Cam. It is wonderful hey. to have you. Welcome back. Thank and you, Tracy. Now we get to hear the whole story and all of the steps. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, yeah exactly. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to be to this place with parenting with, with Dr. Cam. So it really started when I was a teen and, you know, was really all about struggling as a teenager and not feeling like I was understood by anyone and, you know, including my, my family and just feeling very isolated and as a teen, I still had this kind of brought this drive or this pull to help other people. I always loved psychology and counseling and all of this stuff. So I became a peer counselor and was actually interviewing and working with other teens. And they would come in and I would be like, I mean, I remember one teen coming in and she was this girl that terrified me in the hallways, not purposefully, just the way she looked. She always had the scowl on her face and she, you know, was always wearing like dark clothes and just looked like if I said the wrong thing, she was going to beat me up. Like mm -hmm. I just, you know, was scared of her. And I remember her coming in and I was so terrified. I was like, oh my God, if I say something wrong, what's going to happen? And after talking to her, I realized how similar our self-perceptions were, how much she was struggling in her own self-esteem and her own self-worth and her relationships with her own family. And it just was this very aha moment of no matter how we look on the outside, we're just struggling on the inside. It, you know, we're, we're just really struggling and how we handle that is different. And then it wasn't until many years later and I was teaching adolescent psychology and several of my students were also parents and they were telling me, Dr. Cam, what you're teaching us in class is completely changing our relationships with our own teens and we understand them now. And it was making them far more patient. They were enjoying their teens again because they understood why, which made them more effective at handling it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I actually enjoy hanging out with my teen now. And I know this is huge. And I'm like, why don't more parents have this information? Like, right. why don't we know this stuff? 
And my guess is they don't want to spend years and years and thousands and thousands of dollars getting their PhD <laughs> and doing you know, the research, probably good, but it's so important to know. And so I have spent the past several years just distilling the best information and the information I found that was the most useful. And I created a five-step method called the prime parenting method and prime is an acronym. And just like priming the pump, mm. this, these steps prime us to really parent more effectively and address concerns far more calmly and mm. thinking long-term. And I know you do this too, where you're really thinking about where you want to end up. It's exactly what this is too. It's all about having intention about what we're doing as a parent. I love that. And I love that story about that, uh, the girl that you were that she always had the scowl on her face and, and she was intimidating and that realization. So that's when you were, you were the teen counselor. Yeah. That realization. And I, I wonder sometimes is that the teens don't necessarily talk that way. Cause we always seem to think that, that they have, we have a different perception of, you know, Oh, they must, Oh, that's the popular girl or, Oh, that's the mean girl or, Oh, that's, but that we do, maybe they don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that we, they don't have the conversations or they're not, it's an interesting, it's interesting that you had that realization. Mm -hmm. That's probably being a, a psychologist has probably been in your, I think you're probably born with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think it's a little bit in my DNA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that that's kind of how I feel about being a, a, a coach. I feel like I've been doing it since I was in sixth grade. Yeah. Always, but yeah, that, that realization and that, and, and, and that understanding now as you're teaching parents that, you know, this is what they're feeling and that you can go back to that place of realization and understanding. Not everybody can go back to that, to being mm -hmm. a teen. They can go back to, or the way that they were feeling, they can go back to events, but not necessarily the way that they were feeling. So that, what a beautiful yeah. gift you have I, to offer the parents. It feels like, sometimes it feels like a curse. And, mm, but I've really yeah. realized what, how I can use it as a gift. And I think realizing that I still can dig into those emotions and I can mm -hmm. still, they're painful, but I can relate to the kids. And so I talk to teenagers. I've been a teen mentor for over a decade. I have my own teen. I've had my, my nieces and nephews that I was extremely close, still am extremely close with. And so I talk to teenagers daily, many. Yeah. And I have realized there is a common thread that they are really struggling inside, no matter what they're looking like outside. Mm -hmm. And you know, the other thing is they all want a better relationship with their family, with their yeah. parents right. and don't feel like they know how, or don't feel accepted by their family. all on different levels. Wow. But I've also realized, and I think this is sometimes a hard hard thing to accept, but just the more kids act out, I think it is really equivalent to how they're feeling inside. I mm, think there's a balance right. mm -hmm. on what's going on inside. And so I always encourage parents that if their kids are acting out, let's look beneath the surface because there's always a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful insight. I'm excited to hear about your five steps and tell me again, it's the, the prime parenting, prime parenting, prime parenting. Mm -hmm. perfect. All right. So tell us about the first step in prime parenting. Sure. So the first step is P is for the 
problem. And problem. I know mm -hmm. you relate to this, Tracy, because you do a lot of this too, where it is defining the specific problem, right? The specific problem, because parents will come in to me all the time and say, oh, my child is, you know, so lazy, or they're so disrespectful, or they've, they're so anxious or angry, or these huge, all encompassing words right. that my guess is they aren't that they're not born lazy. Everything in their world is not, they don't, they're not lazy. Everything. They're probably lazy in a few areas or they come across as lazy in a few areas because there's probably things like, I don't want to clean up my room. I don't want to do my homework. I don't want mm -hmm. to put down my video games and do the trash. That's not lazy. That's them not wanting to do something that sucks. Right. right. Stop doing something. That's not lazy. That's, I think we have some expectations first on our teens on what we think they, we ask them to do it. Why shouldn't they just jump up and do it? Cause they right. don't want to do it. Right. right. Like, we're, they're human beings. And this idea of why well, I said so, so you need to respect me. Well, teens are going through this process of I'm different. I'm a separate mm. individual mm -hmm. and they're learning that they want to separate themselves from you. They have to, they're never going to leave the house if they don't, right? right? They need right. to learn to stand on their own two feet and we either kind of carry them along or we push them and assume that they're just going to figure it out. Don't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about the problem, I say, what is the specific behavior Let's pick one, one behavior, not everything, because right. we start nitpicking at every single thing they're doing wrong, which a lot of times we get in this habit of doing, they get the message. I can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. I'm lazy. I'm stupid. I'm not worthy. I mean, these are the things that are going through their heads and they start believing it and they start living it and they carry that belief into their adulthood and it doesn't solve anything. Right. So what is the one problem that we want to address? And often when we figure out how to address that one problem, the other things that might have been bothering us, it's almost like dominoes. They start to, they start to change and address because you've changed your approach and mm -hmm. they've changed the way they believed about themselves and your relationship. Yeah. The first step is the problem. Love that. The problem. And that's exactly it. Getting really clear. That's exactly what I teach too. Getting clear. I also, in the work that I teach is start with one thing for what you can't address every single thing at the same time. And it's not helpful. You end it, you end up, we say, oh, I'm a really good multitasker. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And that's not what we want to be. Right. Cause no. we're not, we're not, when we're, when we try to tackle all the problems at the same time, we're not, you know, it's kind of like, like projects. If you have a bunch of projects and you're doing a little, 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 you're not accomplishing anything. So info, I love that focusing on the one problem. All right. What's the second step? So the second step is the reason and the reason mm. This is, this is where my heart is. This is what I love teaching. And this is what I was really teaching in the adolescent psychology class. And I, I do, but this is, why is that behavior? Why does that behavior why? exist? Mm -hmm. Why? And there are several reasons that are pretty darn good that aren't because my teen is lazy, right? right. There's reasons why. I mean, first of all, laziness is a really good indicator of stress and anxiety, Hmm. Teens don't know how to handle. So is yelling. So is temper tantrums. This is the way that they express their stress. And 
you need to understand, parents need to understand and, and that their child's brain during adolescence is going through this enormous growth spurt. Only other time it's gone through a growth spurt like this is when they were babies mm, and they were right. growing, they were learning how to walk. They were learning mm-hmm. how to talk. They were learning how to understand the world. We never got mad at our babies and called them lazy because they didn't get up and walk. Right. 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 It's the same for our teens. Their teens now are going through this growth spurt. It's in density, it's connections, but the connections they're forming are how to inter- how to engage with other people, how mm-hmm. to express their emotions well, how to navigate the world, how to problem solve, critical thinking, all of these things. They're learning how to do this. So to get angry at them because they can't figure it out right away, right? that's really discouraging for mm-hmm. them, right? They think like, well, why don't I know this? Because they haven't learned how to do it yet. Right. We need to, if we don't like their behavior, let's first look at why is that behavior there? Is it developmental? Is it mm-hmm. that their brain is not? And the other thing with the brain is it develops un- unevenly. So their hmm. emotions are fully developed the amygdala, which controls the emotions, impulses, the need for risk and novelty, fully blown. Hmm. The prefrontal cortex, the piece of the brain that tells the mind to calm down, to control those emotions, to restrict those impulses, it won't be done until about 25, 26. Crazy. So basically they're go light, fully bright energy, mm-hmm. you know, go, go, emotion, emotion. The stoplight, barely even formed yet. So to expect our teens to be the one to calm down, to handle their emotions is extremely unfair because we're the ones that have the prefrontal cortex that have the ability to do that. And we struggle to do it. Right. Right. So realizing that our teens view the world and they experience the world full-fledged emotion. It's just (sighs) emotions. So we need to help them learn to control it they don't have the built-in navigator to do that. So I think that's one of the main reasons that teens will get emotional and act out. And we need to be very, very aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, can you imagine if everyone understood that, that they're not, and I think about that we're expecting 18 year olds to decide what they want to do with their lives. And they're not even fully developed yet. No, that 25, think about that. Yeah. Well into their twenties. And the other piece of it is even experience. Like Mm. we get, we'll, I hear parents all the time go, why couldn't you figure that out? Well, you know what? They don't have 20, 30, 40 years of experience making mistakes and figuring things out like we do. Right. They're learning for the first time and it's mm-hmm. not obvious. It's yeah. things that are obvious to us are obvious because we've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. They're not obvious to our teens. So right. getting angry and getting frustrated with them is not helping. All it does is fuel the fire. It gets them even more emotional. They feed into this and we get the spiral and the only person in this dyad, in this, in this emotional spiral that can stop it is ourselves. We're the yes. only ones that have the ability. So we got to do it. Okay. So we have the problem, determining the problem and then the reason. Mm-hmm. And what's the third step? So the third step is our intention. You're going to love this one. Intention. It's All right. Intention. Uh-huh. So okay. What the heck do we want instead? 
Right. So we tell our kids all the time, stop doing that. Don't do this. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. But what do we want? Is it that we're trying to teach them? And I think it's really important to do this when we're before we get into that emotional state where our brains get hijacked by our emotions too. And we're not able to think rationally. So when you think about when you're in that state, it's kind Mm -hmm. of the state your teen's in permanently right now. Right. 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 So that's a good way to help relate. But so you want to think about what is your intention before you're in that state? What do I want to teach my child? Am I Mm -hmm. just trying to get them to stop because it's annoying? And is that really helping anything? Or am I trying to teach my child to be, you know, to be respectful? Am I trying to teach my child how to problem solve? Am I trying to teach my child better techniques to be able to manage their emotions instead of throwing temper tantrums and lashing out at people? What do I want in the end game? What do I want them to learn? What's my intention here? (sighs) Then that's going to help us figure out how to react to it. Right, right. And what to do next? Because how do you know? How do you know if you've accomplished what you want to accomplish if you don't have intention, if you don't know what it is that you want to accomplish, right? True. And I think one of the things is when we go, when we use our natural impulses, when we just go with our instincts, unfortunately, our instincts fail us quite a bit when it comes to our teens. Yeah. Because a, a good example is when our teens feeling either really sad or really angry or some sort of negative emotion. Our instinct as a parent is to protect them. We don't like seeing mm. them hurt, right? Right. And so what we end up doing is going, don't feel sad. You don't, it's okay. Don't stop feeling sad or you're not angry, you know, get over it. Or someone else has got it far worse than you. And what mm. happens when we're trying in our minds, we're trying to calm them down and make them feel better. What we end up doing is making them feel worse because we no. make them feel bad about feeling bad. Right. Telling them to stop feeling an emotion is not going to make them stop feeling emotion. It's only going to make them feel bad for feeling that emotion because now they're going to be like, well, I'm not supposed to feel this way, but I do. Right. So what's wrong with me? Oh, that uh, what's you know wrong what with saying? me. Yeah, right? I do. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think it's this whole, we don't mean to do that. That's not our intention at all. Our intention mm-hmm. is to help them learn how to calm down. Right. 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 So we need to give them those tools. Yeah. And the first step is always to stay calm ourselves. We got to yes. stay calm. We got to stay calm ourselves. Right. Well, and they're learning. And I love this too, because we're the, the, the teen years are really super important. I mean, we, you know, they, they learn a lot when they're uh, birth to five, but then these years are that, that transition into adulthood and that, where do I stand? Where am I? But they're learning how to be a parent or how to be an adult in the world. So if we are flying off the handle and if we don't have intention, then that's what they're learning that, oh, this is what you do. That's that the, the family patterns, you know, they run deep grooves. I mean, I've just recently listened to a podcast recently that they were talking about that our DNA actually gets changed over. Like we, we, we have the the patterns of, you know, our great grandmother and our great, great grandmother. And and like that comes down generationally. So we can, we can stop the legacy of the yelling or the uh, misunderstanding or the oppression or whatever it might be. We can stop right here with that uh, intention. You know, this, it's going to stop here and I'm going to teach my, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes it's, well, I'm going to teach my kids how to, my teen, how to 
how to be, you know, how you make decisions or how you take responsibility. Or I, I love that. I love that piece. It's beautiful. Yeah. Perfect. All right. What? Go ahead. No, I was going to say that. And the really important thing too, is to really think of long-term. I think our parents, I think we get in this react, you were saying to the difference between response and reaction. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly the situation is when we're constantly react, we're only thinking about this very moment, not what it's teaching them in the long run. And as parents with teenagers, isn't our end goal to make sure that they are able to support, to stand out on their own two feet mm -hmm. and be, you know, useful, helpful American citizens or any citizens, just human beings right. and able to have a fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. We need to teach them those skills to do it. And if yeah. we're not giving them that chance, we're putting them out in the world and they're flailing. And we're seeing a lot of that right now yeah. where these kids are going out in the world and they don't know which way is up and mm -hmm. they're terrified of making mistakes. They don't know how to make decisions. And I mean, it's not, it's not looking good for a lot of them. Right. So we want right. to make sure we're preparing our kids. Mm -hmm. We need to teach them. And I, the adolescent years are so dear to me because that is when we are creating so much of our connections, yeah. how we see the world, how we see right. ourselves. And we carry those, those beliefs into our adult life. Those I can beliefs. completely see that because yeah, mm -hmm. my teen years were turbulent mm -hmm. and I carried a lot of that in, I mean, yeah. it's taken, it's taken my, my whole entire adult life to, uh, to make, to, to change those things. And, but the work that you're doing in the world, you're helping parents who, you know, we, we just, we just kind of didn't, nobody comes with a manual for parenting, you know, we, but we do what our parents did, or we do the complete opposite of what our parents did. Right. So there's yeah. gotta be some kind of middle ground. There's an awful lot of guessing going on for mm. a job that is the most important job on the planet. Like yeah. we would not go to a doctor who is guessing how to help us. We would exactly. not even go to a hairstylist who is guessing how to cut our hair, but yet we raise our kids guessing. And the beautiful thing is right now, we do know so much thanks to neuroscience, thanks to all of just experiments throughout the years and all this research. We do know a lot about how to interact with our teens that our parents didn't even know. Right. So right. There's, there's not an excuse of, well, nobody knows. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. We just need to learn what that is. Right. That's true. And, you know, I think about, because I was very interested, not surprisingly, because of my turbulent teens, but I was very interested in, in psychology as well. I, d I don't remember learning that about that the brain is not fully developed until 25. I didn't learn that until maybe the past 10 years, maybe? Yeah. I mean, it's neuroscience. It's they've found, they've finally have been able to learn that. So no, we haven't known that for very long at all yeah. or what that means. Right. Yes. So yeah, exactly. What does right? that mean? Yeah. When, and I love that, that I can, I mean, I'm, I'm visualizing the, the one side of the brain that is the full on and that the emotional, and then the other side, what a turbulent time That's in your head. Right? right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, Again, being a teen, holy heck, the stuff that you have to manage yeah. and it's enormous to them because they don't have the same, the way that they're seeing the world is like, I always liken it to be like, it is like so vibrant, you know, we right. kind of see the world 
we have a little bit more realistic. We have more experience and everything else to them. That's why, you know, a zit on their face can be like world ending to them. Right. And we're like, oh, it's so silly, but it's not to them. It's yeah. really, really big to them. And yeah. understanding that and empathizing with that instead of kind of belittling it is going to help them more and it's going to strengthen your relationship with them. Yeah. Nice. All right. What is number, what, step number four? Okay. So you're going to like this one. So <laughs> this is mindset. And mindset. this is Ooh. one thing that I have not seen in any other kind of parenting process. And I mm-hmm. think it is one of the most essential pieces of this. It's taking all of this. And we talked about how, you know, parents will come in and say, my teen is lazy. My teen is this. This is really now shifting how we're viewing our teen. Hmm. So instead of saying my teen is lazy, we shift it to my teen is dealing with a lot and ha- not having, mm. doesn't have the tools to handle it. Or my teen has developed habits that I want to help him change. Right. Right. So now we're looking at, we're not looking at my teen is the problem. My teen is innately a problem. And I'm going to tell you the, even yesterday, and I couldn't sleep. I was so upset by it, but I follow these teen groups, these like teen support, parents of teen support groups. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times parents call their kids assholes is oh. beyond imaginable oh. to me. And I know they're trying to be funny or they're trying to whatever, but the problem is when we see our teens like this, mm-hmm. we send that message to them that we think they're assholes. And that is so damaging to a kid. I don't care yeah. how they're acting. Right. If their parent, the one person that's supposed to love them no matter what, calls them an asshole, then mm. they're going to believe that they are severely flawed right. rather than they clearly do not have the right tools to manage what's going on in their lives. Yeah. We need to teach them and help them learn the right tools and be compassionate in the meantime because, again, Whatever they're expressing on the outside is directly proportional to what they're feeling on the inside. Right. Yeah. So they're spewing a lot of negativity and hatred and meanness on the outside. I can't imagine how Mm. how bad they are feeling internally. Right. And we need to see that. We need to understand that. So the mindset is really changing from my teen is broken and needs to be fixed to I, we need to address this in a different way and help my teen learn better tools and better methods. Mm, you know, I love mindset. <laughs> that's exactly it. That, that's, yeah. that is, that is the name of the game, right? Yeah. That you have to, it's about belief too, right? The believing that, that it's not my child, my, it's not my teen who is broken, my teen is not broken. You know, that changing, changing the mind, changing those thoughts. Yeah. Okay. They need my help. That doesn't mean they're broken. That didn't, doesn't mean they're an asshole. Like nope. you said. Yeah, yeah exactly. All and, right. And, yeah. And just go back and think about it when you're having trouble processing that, go back and think they're in the same stage now as our babies were when they were learning to walk and talk mm. and learning these skills is the same thing as learning how to walk and talk. Oh, yeah, don't brilliant. just obviously have it. You don't just have these skills. I mean, there's a lot of adults right. that don't have these skills because they yes. never learned it. I know that. They don't just poof, <laughs> right? They don't yeah. just poof appear. Yeah. 
someone has to teach them. Yes. And the best people to teach them, their parents. Yeah. And you know how they mostly learn? By watching and modeling. Yes. I did, oh, this, this is one of my stories. So not too long ago, my daughter and I were driving to something and being late, for us, we're always 15 minutes early. This is how mm. I was raised. It's now in me. That's how I'm wired right now. And now my daughter's become like that. So if we're on time, we're late, right? So we're going to an event and it was coming up to the time we were supposed to arrive. And my daughter was having a panic attack. Oh, she's no. like yelling at the cars in front of us, go faster. What, you know, and she's just having this thing. And I'm looking at her like, what's the big deal? And then she's me. Oh, she's me. right. She is acting exactly as I have acted many, many, many times when I'm running late in the car. Right. And you know, it's an eye opener. It's it is a total eye opener. But if you're seeing behaviors, you're not too fond of that. Your kids are behaving. You might want to take a look in the mirror. Right. I know. You know, I, I like to say that, that, uh, our kids are watching us with their little eyes, ears, and hearts. It's not necessarily always what we're saying or what we're doing. It's what we're, what's inside of us too. And that has all has to change with, with our, with our thoughts, but yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant, I love those. Oh my gosh. She's me. I know. And here's the other thing. Well, people, I've I've said this before and people laugh and be like, well, why do they only copy the bad stuff I do? Right. Here's a secret. They're copying the good stuff too. We just don't look for it. We're always looking for the negative stuff. That stuff jumps out at us because it's a problem that we need to solve. They are mimicking us in the good ways a lot. Right. We just don't recognize it. Well, and I think another shift in the mindset is looking for what they're doing right rather than constantly looking for what they do wrong. Yeah. I love that. That is mindset. I'm looking, you know, cause we, we are, we are kind of trained to look for the negative, you know, I, um, Michael Bernard Beckwith is one of my favorite ministers. And he, he says, we, you know, we wake up and we have a negativity folder, ding, ding, ding. Like you wake up and you're neutral and then your mind goes, Oh, there's that thing. You know, like we're always looking for the negative. It definitely takes effort to change the mindset and change the mind, but it is possible. You know, I like to say that there are the, the, there are deep grooves like that, that focusing on the negativity. And that's, I was raised on what ifs and buts, like I've had to really work and I continue. And now my, my family, my, both of my parents live in town now. And so I, it's still like, right I really have to work at that, that it probably, which is why I do what I do. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. And what is step number five? Empower. Oh, empower. Love that. The word empower is because when our kids are teenagers, we now need to start handing over the reins and the ownership of Mm. their own life. And so we get in this tendency of wanting to protect them, wanting to make sure they don't fail, wanting to make sure they get the right, everything goes well and they get into the best schools and they get the, you know, but the problem is when we continue to control their lives, we're sending two messages. One, that we don't trust them to make good decisions. Mm, Right. And two, we don't we don't think that they can make good decisions Mm. and we don't give them the ability to learn how, because you know how, you know how to learn, you know, how you learn how to make good decisions 
by making decisions. Right, right. <laughs> and we're going to start. And when we start learning something new, we're going to do it poorly most mm -hmm. of the time. So allowing them to make decisions, even if they're not good decisions, right? So maybe start small, start with stuff that you're not overly concerned about, but keep giving them opportunities to make decisions so they hone their ability to make good decisions and coach them. Don't tell them, coach them on how to make good decisions. And a lot of this is by explaining why. When your teens say, when you set a rule or you set something and your teens say why, it's not to be disrespectful as much as it is because they want to know why. Mm. Because they're learning how to make good decisions. Right. So how, what are you basing this decision on? Chances are they're asking why because they don't like it. They're probably not going to go ask why when it's something they want, right? Right. So this is the other question. The other thing I tell parents is tell them why. And if you don't have a really good why, you might want to really think about why you're telling mm. them to do that. Okay. Right? So right. what is the reason behind it? So I think it's really it's it's really important to be very clear to help teach them. And mm -hmm. parents have a real it, have trouble with this because I think a lot of parents really see parenting as I'm the boss, I'm the authority, what I say goes. And I think there's a lot of importance in establishing authority, but authority is very different from establishing dominance and always having to be right. Right. And so we want to establish authority in that my decision's the final decision, but you can do it gracefully. You can mm -hmm. do it compassionately. You can listen to their side of it and take it into consideration. You can work through things with them. It's not a, this is the way I want it. Just do it. And we think it'd be easier to just say that it would be easier if our kids would just do as we say. But do we want to teach our kids to just do what people say? Exactly. Do we want to put right. them in the world just saying yes mm -hmm. to everything? No, we don't. Yeah. Um, it would make our lives a little bit easier maybe, but we wouldn't be raising kids that thought for themselves and that were able to make good choices on their own. Yeah. And I think this is a hard one. So the, hard. the, and I, ever since, um, so I was a preschool teacher uh, before I had kids there were, you know, toddlers clearing away. Like, this is what I witnessed. Like the thing I, it was, it was kind of a Montessori ish kind of a preschool and seeing what they could do now bring my own kids into the world. And for one thing, it's easier to do it yourself, to do whatever it might be. Cause you know, the right way. Right. Another, right. It's because it's your way, the way that you like to do things. If only you all would do things the way that I want them done. Right. Well, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, life would be easier for yeah. me. And that, that handing over the responsibilities and the reins and just in with like, uh, you know, sometimes I, I feel like it's the, you know, like you're, you're on the trapeze and you're, you're swinging and you have to let go of both bars, you know, and you're like, yeah, Oh, I've done that. <laughs> You know, scary. Yeah. Oh, you have to, you've done, yeah. done the trapeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the hand that the letting, mm -hmm. Oh, like, Oh it's my gosh, terrifying. are they going to make the right choice? Are they going to make the right choice? But you have to let go. Have to let them fall. Yeah. The letting them fall. Let them oh my fall. goodness. It is That's one of the biggest gifts hard. we can get our, give our kids yeah. is to give them the gift of failing. 
Yeah. Let them fail and let them and be okay with it and show them it's okay to fail and that we can pick ourselves back up again. Yeah. You know, when, um, when my son started sixth grade last year and I don't do this often, but he was, you know, everything was new and he was, he was having, he he was having a problem with his clarinet. So I reached out to the teacher and I realized very quickly that the teacher did not want to talk to me. The teacher wanted the kids, they want the kids to figure it out. And that was, and that was a big, okay, I get that. And, 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 that's true. So he's going to have to figure it out. If mm-hmm. he doesn't have his instrument, he's going to have to advocate, teaching, uh, teaching 100%. him to advocate for himself and, and accountability. Mm-hmm. That was tough. It is, but you know what? You just helped him learn to essential life skills that are yeah. going to really help him in the future yeah. to be successful and, f- and have a fulfilling life. Yeah, exactly. So that moment of pain for you is setting him up for a lifetime of having a really important skill. Well, and you know, since then, so that was last year in the fall. And since then he has been, he's been advocating. He's been holding himself accountable. He's been reaching out to teachers when he needs help. And it's, it has been a, you know, it's been a, it's been eye-opening that, wow, he really can, he can do this. So one of the things too is uh, to realize that kids actually want to do the right thing. They don't mm. like getting in trouble. They yeah. don't like disappointing you. They want to do the right thing. Only thing is what's more important to them is to do their own thing yeah. because they are establishing their own autonomy and independence. Right. So when we own the right choice by telling them what to do, the only choice we leave them is the wrong choice. Oh, whoa, that is, that's brilliant. I'm going to have to go back to that <laughs> in that the recording. That thought that I thought just woke me up the other day, like a few weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night with that thought. And I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, Dr. Cam, on that note, <laughs> it couldn't get any better. I love that prime parenting. And you are right. That completely aligns with what oh, I teach does. and what 100%. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us, tell us just a, a, this show is all about possibility. Tell us a time, just a, just a little, a a little story, but a time about a time when you either achieved something or overcame something in motherhood that you thought was impossible. Do you want me to share the adoption story? That would be great. That's I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I, when I was in my mid thirties, I went through the kind of this whole reassessment of my life because I had always wanted to be a mother. And even when I was little, I would go through like, I don't, this will date me, but like the Sears gift, you know, for Christmas, you'd get uh-huh. the Sears book and you look through and I would pick out like baby clothes. And I used oh. to dream of somebody like leaving a baby for me on the, on my doorstep or something. I don't, it's kind of weird. I don't know, but I always wanted to be a mom and I'm in my thirties. I'm not married, don't have any prospects for it. And I still want to be a mom. And it occurred to me and I set the line in the sand. I said, if I, I'm going to have a child on my own, I'm going Mm -hmm. to be a single mom. And you know, a lot of people even today say, we thought you were so crazy for doing that. Like, it's terrifying. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that on your own? And I remember saying, I'm going to do it by this date. That date came 
friends would call me and say, remember you said you were going to do that? And I was like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. And I remember waking up, I can still picture waking up one day and looking around and going, I've got a great family support. I've got a really good job. I have a, I own a place. What else do I need? Mm -hmm. And that day I went and met with an adoption agency and made the decision. Once I made the decision, I just barreled through and there were so many things of fear and things where people were throwing at me. And, and I just, I just was like, this is what I want. This is my intention. This is what I want. And this is what I'm going to do. And not, but it was basically almost nine months later that I got the call to go pick up my daughter no. in Guatemala. And I still remember my mom and my stepdad and my dad all came with me. It was like this big family affair. And I remember going down the elevator. So it's in a hotel in an elevator and the doors open and it's just a room full. It's the lobby with a bunch of American adults, American families, Guatemalan nurses and people taking care and little Guatemalan babies. Mm -hmm. And my eyes went immediately to this one baby. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. Whoever gets that baby is so lucky. And they walked me over to that baby. No, oh, I love that. Ever since then, I have felt like I am the luckiest mm. parent in the whole world. And I have never you know, to this day, people are always like, how do you do it? How are you a single mom? How do you, you know, why would you do that? And even like, you're never going to get married now because you've got it. And I want to be a mom. And I, yeah. I, I went past all of that and it was the best decision I have ever made in my life. And it was the biggest, scariest life altering decision I've ever made in my life. And there is not a day that goes by that I am not so thankful that I was able to step past the fear and step past what society and everyone else was telling me was right. not a smart thing to do. And I followed my heart and I did it. And she's 14 years old now. We always say that God always meant us to be together mm -hmm. because the two of us are so alike it's scary. I love that. I love that. <laughs> right. She is my mini me in so many ways and it's, it's wonderful. And yeah. so I just, I want to encourage people that are scared if it's, you know, to be a mom or anything, if they're really scared, but their heart is telling them to do it, take the leap. That's exactly it. it. That is possibility. Anything is possible. Right. I love that story. I love that story. So how can um, my listeners get in touch with you? How can they contact you? Sure. So the easiest way is to go to my website, which is askdrcam.com. Mm -hmm. So A-S-K-D-R-C-A-M.com. And there they can email me. They can find my information. I also am going to give you a link because I have a free um, PDF that are my seven favorite secrets to motivating teens. Oh, perfect. And what a valuable I know, offer. I know. I know right <laughs> now. And I put this together because I kept getting these questions. Always, yeah. always, always. I was, I was having all these parents coming to me going, I can't, how can I get my 
my son to do their homework? How can I get my kid off the couch? What can I do? And so I wrote down my, the seven things that I was telling people the most, my seven tips, and I created this one cheater and I'll give you the link. People can go download that started. And then my parenting teens with Dr. Cam that you were just a guest on. Yes. And I get on twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays and talk about meet, talk to people like you with their brilliant ideas and share their insights, or I just share what's going on with me and share some insights that way. All right. And that's your podcast. That's my podcast. Yes. Perfect. Okay. And do you have, how about some parting words or a step, an easy step that the listeners can take today? All right. I'm going to give you one of my favorite parenting tips. Okay. So we love to give our teen advice. Mm-hmm. We, we see them doing stuff all the time and we know there's a better way to do it. And we tend to want to jump in, show them the new way. We're doing it from the right place. We want to teach them and they get really pissed off and annoyed at us, right? And it always ends up in a battle. So I discovered this with my own daughter and I've taught it to a lot of people and everyone comes back going, oh my gosh, I can't believe how well this works. It's simple ask permission first. So you see, here's an example. My daughter's washing dishes the other Mm -hmm. day and I'm pretty particular on how my dishes are washed. Right. And she's doing a great job. And I I thank her and I point out the things, you know, I'm so thankful you're doing this thing that helps so much and pointing out some positive. And I say, I see that you're having trouble getting that bit off of the pan. I, I have trouble with that too. I've got a tip. Do you want to hear it? Hmm. So here's what happens. She either says, yes, I want to hear it. And now I have an agreement with her that she's going to listen. It's not that she's going to do it, but I have an agreement that she's going to listen to me, right? If she says, no, I don't say anything. Mm. Why? She wasn't going to listen anyway. Oh, and now that I've, now that I've respected her now, she knows that she has power to make that decision Mm. and I'm going to respect it. So the next time I ask, She's more likely to say yes. The one caveat is if they say yes, tell them the one thing. Don't use that as a door to now spew out every piece of advice you've always wanted to tell them because they never say yes again. (laughs) This is a way to help them, but give them the control. I love that. I'm going to try that at lunchtime today. (laughs) It's perfect. Perfect. Dr. Cam, it has been amazing. I feel like, you know, we've known each other a little bit throughout the past couple of months, just through, you know, messaging or whatever, but I feel like I know you, which is fantastic. (laughs) And I, I love that. And I've loved our time together. You have, you have given us some amazing tools. I love that prime parenting uh, framework. That is brilliant. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And um, yes. And remember that anything is possible even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now. And thanks for listening to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. To get started on your Vision Driven Mom journey, head on over to visiondrivenmom.com and download your copy of The Overwhelm Cure, a mom's guide to work-life harmony. Anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now.